Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Hey, good morning, Calvary. <clears throat> so good to see you today. Not only those of you here in Auditorium 1, but those joining us in Auditorium 2. Uh, maybe you're coming to us by way of television or the podcast, or you're watching online. So glad you're here today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6 is where we will be. Well, can I invite you to stand with me, if you would, please? And uh, we have been working our way through Matthew chapter 6. We're in a series called Living on a Prayer. And uh, together we have been studying the, the passage of Scripture that we know and we call the Lord's Prayer. In fact, our challenge through January was to pray this prayer every day. So we've been saying it together at the beginning of these services. And uh, so we want to read it together today. Will you join me? This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as we've been praying through this, we've been using kind of a model, these four things to help us to direct our attention when we pray. So we, we start by saying we look, and, and you're, I feel silly because I'm doing it by myself. Oh, good, now we all look silly. Okay, you ready? So we look up, and then we look, and we look, and we look. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you modeled for us, you gave to us this passage of Scripture so that we could grow in our knowledge and in our relationship, our intimacy, our communication with you. And Lord, as we look at just a short part of this prayer today, Lord, I know that in many of our hearts, there are things that you want to encourage, that you want to build up, that you want to challenge us. So God, our ears are open, our spiritual eyes are open, our hearts are open, Holy Spirit, to hear what you want to do through our lives that through these minutes together today, you're gonna do something that's gonna stick with us for the days ahead. And so God, we give ourselves to you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak through your word in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, you can be seated today. We've been working our way through this and we're just gonna look at one kind of short verse as our jumping off point today. Matthew chapter six, verse 11, it's probably the simplest of the things we see in the Lord's Prayer. It says this, give us today our daily bread. And in fact, for many of us, that's the whole way we think about prayer. That prayer is just us coming to God and saying, God, here's what I need from you. We boil it down to this. It's at the very heart of what many of us think prayer is. But how is it that we're supposed to pray? Like this, this is pretty easy when we think about it. God, there's things I need, I'm asking you for them. But Jesus is gonna give us even more insight into this. He's gonna give us more instruction in scripture if we look at some other places. I don't know about you, but I, I love a good story. Like there's, I, I learn a lot of different ways, but if you can tell me a story, it's gonna stick. Anybody else? Like if I hear a story, then it connects with me, I remember it, it kind of hits me at a deeper level. And that's, that's not just how you and I like to learn, that's how Jesus communicated. Like if we read through scripture, Jesus was probably the greatest storyteller who ever lived. 
And he used stories called parables. Now, a parable, if, you, if you've ever heard that term or seen it in the Bible, a parable is a story about an earthly thing that Jesus used to bring about a, a heavenly idea. So he would try to communicate a spiritual idea, but he would use it through a story that you and I could understand. So there's some famous ones. Uh, help me out here. Have you ever heard of the parable of the prodigal son? Right, that's a famous one. There, there's one we tell about the 10 talents, the, the different people who were given uh, five and two and one talents. We'll actually look at that later in the Gospel of Matthew. Probably, probably the most famous story he told, because it's gone beyond just the, the church world, people know the story of the Good Samaritan. Anybody ever heard that, that story? All right, so those are parables. Jesus told a lot of them, and there's, there's, three in, there, there's probably others that you could find, but there's three in particular where he talks about prayer, and I think they connect back to this really simple verse, because the verse just says, give us today our daily bread. Well, how do we ask him? How, how, do we, how do we pray? How do we request those things from him? And Jesus gives us insight in three parables that he tells about prayer. They're parables about prayer. They're prayer parables. They're prayerables. I just, I made that word up. And I was like, Chad, you're clever, right? I like that. Today we're gonna look at three lessons from three parables. Now, you, you can probably find others, but there's three in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus gives to us. They're prayer parables, otherwise known as? Oh, aren't you quick, yeah. So we're gonna run through three of them today and see the lessons we can learn. Here's the first one. Number one, the lesson is we should pray with boldness. We should pray with boldness. In, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives us some of the same teaching that Matthew records for us in Matthew chapter six. That's what's interesting about the gospels. You, you get the same things, but from different perspectives. And Luke doesn't do it quite the same way that Jesus does. He, he conveys it in a different way. He adds some things, and, and there's some things that Matthew has that Luke doesn't. But one of the things Luke does is after the teaching on how you should pray, what we call the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, Luke adds this part. Luke chapter 11, verse five. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. When I was in college, I had a friend. He, he was my friend and then I had a roommate and they were friends, but this other guy was my friend. And my roommate was not a night owl, and my other friend was. And there would be times when he would want to hang out late at night. We didn't have cell phones. Sometimes we would take pieces of stone and carve on them and, and slide them under the door if we wanted to communicate. But he would come like later at night when my roommate's already in bed, and he would come to the door and he would, he would knock. And my, my friend just knew, my roommate knew. He's like, don't let him in. If he comes in, he won't go away. And then this is what he would do. He would knock again, and then he'd wait, and he'd go, guys, guys, I know you're in there. Like that? And then he would just do this. Anybody irritated yet? You should have seen my roommate. <laughs> he would just, don't you do it. Don't you open that door. Don't. And he would just, like sometimes five or 10 minutes, he'd just stand there. At that point, he didn't want in. He was just, can you say punk in church? He was just a punk. 
That's a nice word to say, right? So this is, this is the picture here. You get it? And the guy says, I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This passage of scripture tells us, and it's very clear here, Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray. The, the CSB version says it this way in verse eight, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, might not be his friend anymore, true? <laughs> Yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, and the word shameless here is not negative. Like it's this positive idea. That when this guy came, he came with the boldness and did not care what anybody else thought. With his shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now think about this in a, in a first century context, right? So in the first century, you would have Bedouins who would travel from place to place. And oftentimes, because you're in the Middle East, they would travel at night. Why? It's a lot cooler. It's a lot easier to travel if you know the places where you're going. But that was unusual once you got into community settings, so for someone to show up late at night and knock on your door was a highly unusual thing, but what was held at a very high level, extremely high level, was hospitality. And so if you did not treat a stranger right, that would bring shame on you. And so what would happen is someone would come and would visit, and you would know that you needed to care for them. Well, some scholars think that in that community, it wasn't normal for someone to bake bread every day for their family. What began to happen is you would have kind of a co-op, if you will, of shared people. So, Bill, you would bake the bread on Monday, and Pastor Keith, you, you've got Tuesday. Josh, will you take Wednesday? Travis, can I, can I give you Thursday? Well, if the guest comes on Thursday, then what happens is you go, well, I, I don't have any bread to offer in my house, but I know who baked it. Now, you maybe have some bread in your house. Maybe about 10 o'clock, you got a little hankering for a snack, and you made yourself a little kosher PB&J. Anybody? <laughs> right? But what happened was you broke that loaf open, and once you've eaten off of it, it was no longer appropriate for you to offer a used loaf of bread to a guest. So then me, who's got the friend that just showed up, I know Travis just baked bread later that day, so I'm gonna come and knock on his door, something like this. Anybody irritated yet, <laughs> right? And ask for that bread because I needed to make sure that I honored this guest and you need to make sure that you honor the guest because if either one of us dropped the ball with that hospitality, there's shame that comes in that culture. But you gotta think of it from the other side because on the other side, if you're the guy in the house, right? We're not talking about people who lived in a three-bedroom ranch, right? They had one room most likely and they would have all their kids in that room and their whole family would be spread out in that large room. They'd have mats on the floor to lock the door. The doors would have like some rings on them that they would slide like either a metal bar or a wood rod through that would lock that door. So if you're gonna get up in the night and answer the, you're gonna have to make the noise of going across the room, opening that door. You've woke up all your kids. You've wrecked the peace that's happening in your house in that time. You are not happy about this, but you will do it because there was this social idea of caring and hospitality that gives some more context to this, but still what Jesus is saying is even though your neighbor's gotta get up, even though it's gonna wreck their peace, even though you're gonna be a nuisance, even though you've gotta, even though, even though, even though you still come, 
with boldness. And when you pray, when you come to God, you don't hold back. You come to him and believe as you pray. Well, remember who you're praying to, right? We, we covered this a couple of weeks ago. How do you begin the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6, 9 says, this then is how you should pray. You pray to our very real Father, who is all-powerful in heaven. He is holy, hallowed be his name, and he is present, and he loves you. That's who you're praying to, a God who is with you in all those moments. And so we come to him, and we trust him in those moments. You are praying to a heavenly father who wants to answer your prayers. He already knows what you're asking for. He just wants you to come to him with boldness. Now, remember, Luke and Matthew give us a little bit of different details on, on this teaching. And, and for whatever reason, maybe Jesus gave it more than once, or they remembered different things, or they highlighted different things. When Jesus is teaching about all of this, after he tells the story about the... Anybody irritated yet? The neighbor, here's what Jesus says. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus says this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So this is this idea in scripture. Look, sometimes what we have to do is get a little active in our prayers. We have to seek God in these things. We have to come to him with a boldness and believe that he not only hears us, but that he wants to answer. And I love this part. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm so glad we have a God who wants to give us good gifts, aren't you? Like that's who he is. And so he's not going to look and go, <laughs> he's asking for a fish. Angels, watch this. I'm going to prank him. That's not what he says. He doesn't give you a snake instead. He gives good gifts to his children. You can be confident that your heavenly father has good gifts for you. Why do I stress that? Have you ever felt like life gave you a snake instead of a fish? You ever felt like you opened the mail and there was a scorpion, not an egg? You ever got a phone call or a text message? or an email, or a conversation, or you wake up one morning, and you go, this feels a whole lot snakier than it does fishy. The fish is the good thing here, the snake is the bad thing, and here's what you gotta know. Even in the snake days, even in the scorpion days, is your heavenly father still good? You better believe he is. And he wants to bring good gifts to you. So when you pray, even in the difficult times, we pray and believe. We pray with open hands. And we say, God, I trust you. I put my confidence in you. God, I pray with boldness because I know you have good gifts for me. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you see these words? Boldness, audacity, confidence. When you pray, you pray to a heavenly father who loves you, who has good things for you. You don't have to be timid. You don't have to be fearful. You can come to him with confidence and bring your needs to him. That's good news, isn't it? I think I've, I've told the story before. 
a couple times lately, some people have asked me, was you, your dad was a pastor, wasn't he? So my dad was not a pastor, but he was the assistant head usher. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was Bob's role. So he made sure that the offering got taken. They, they had little spots they went to to greet people as they were walking out of the sanctuary. And then my dad always sat in the back next to Marv. And during the sermon, Marv's job was to keep Bob awake, and Bob's job was to keep Marv awake. <laughs> Many weeks, they both failed. Right, that was my dad. My dad's day job was he was a facilities director for a public uh, school uh, system. So he oversaw all the buildings, all the bus garage, all the custodians, any, anything that wasn't education. That was my dad's. And I remember one day, I was probably eight or nine years old, like old enough to know what was going on, but like still too young to kind of stay home by myself. I went to a different school system than the one my dad worked in. And one day I didn't have school, but my dad's school system did. And so he said, why don't you just come to work with me? I was like, oh, that's super cool. And I had this real clear image of being in the high school, right? So I'm maybe nine years old. So you're talking these high school students that are literally twice my age. And I can remember walking through the halls with my dad. Like he's in front, I'm walking behind him and the bell rings and all these high school students come out. I'm this, I'm this little guy. All these high school students come out and I had the biggest swagger in my step. I don't know any of these kids, but I literally was looking at these high school students like, you can get out of my way, please. You, you can just move, I'm with, I'm with Bob, you know? And I was just walking and I would just, I remember walking past what's probably a high school senior, I don't know, he had a beard. And I just remember walking past him and just kind of going like this. Like, like all this, I can remember my dad looking at me at one point and going, settle down. Like I just, I felt it. Not because I was such a bad man, I was, but, but because I was with Bob Gilligan. Do you know who that is? That's my dad. And it gave me this audacious confidence and boldness in a place where I should not have had it in a time when it wasn't normal, but I had it not based on who I was, but because who I was with. I'm so thankful for a heavenly father that when I pray, I know he loves me. I know he's with me. I know we have a boldness that we can trust him. Where does this get personal? In, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna get to a passage of scripture at the end of Matthew 6, and we'll, we'll take a deep dive then. I wanna, I wanna do a flyover real quick. Watch what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Can I be honest? Most of you probably did not worry about this today. Maybe you stood at a cupboard and said, which cereal will I eat? You didn't worry where water was gonna come from. You didn't say, what will I wear? You said, which will I wear? Right, it's, it's a little bit different. But in the first century, this was very real. How, how, how am I gonna have my needs met today? You probably don't do that about your food or your clothes, but I guarantee you, you're doing it about something else. There's, there's something where you've given worry too much real estate in your brain. There's something where you've let the anxiety of it have too much of a hold in your life. Jesus says the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. I love this last verse. Anybody ever worried about tomorrow? Anybody liars in the room? 
right? We all do. There's moments, right? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anybody? <laughs> What's he saying? Trust him and come to him with boldness. He already knows the things that you need. And when that worry comes, when it knocks on your door, remember this, boldly replace your worry with confidence because you can put your trust in him. I, I, one of the things I, I love to do is to travel. I just like to go places that are they're new or different or whatever. And when we travel, whether it's like when we would travel with our kids or now it's just Rhonda and I, I I'm kind of the guy that I've, I've got the high level, like I'm gonna make sure like, hey, we, we, got, our, we got our tickets or, or, or we know what, where we're going or we kind of got an itinerary mapped out. Like I kind of make sure we know where we're staying, like all those kinds of things. And Rhonda has this incredible gift of like then covering like literally everything else. When I travel, it's like traveling with Mary Poppins. Like we're, we're traveling and I'm like, you know, you know what I wish I had? I wish I had one of these. And she's like, hang on. And she just pulls it out of a bag. How'd, how'd you know? I just knew, I figured we'd need that. About three days in, she hands me something. And she's like, hey, I figured you would want this on day three. How did you know? And I just look at her and I go, you're super califragilisticexpialidocious. I can't even say it. Come back Wednesday night. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious, isn't it? If you say it, never mind. So here's the deal. Like, I, somehow she knows what we're going to need even before we get to that moment. So there's an element of this that I, I worry about. I think we're going to have this. We're going to handle this. How are we going to? How are we going to? And she'll have it with her before we ever need it. That's just my wife. I like to brag about her. But man, can I brag about your heavenly father? That he knows what you need even before you ask him. Why stress this? Because some of you have let your future become so heavy that it's weighing down the ability for you to pray with boldness. And it's your job, it's your family, it's your health. It's, I mean, we can go through the whole list. And Jesus gives this story and he says, there are times when you need to realize there is a heavenly father who wants to meet your needs. So when you come to him, that's so irritating. <laughs> come to him with boldness, which takes us to the second parable. You're, you ready for number two? Did I tell you that, where I got, came up with the name parable? Okay, all right, good. Here's the second one. The lesson is this, number two, pray with persistence. Number two, we pray with persistence. We're, we're gonna fast forward, not Luke 11, but let's jump to Luke chapter 18. Look at what we read. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This is interesting. He does this in the next two stories that we see. You don't always get this in the gospels. Sometimes you just get a story and you gotta figure out why Jesus told it. Not here, Luke wants you to know. Luke says, hey, everybody, everybody, this next one is so that when you pray, you don't give up, okay? All right, here, here's, here's the story, Luke says. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Nice guy, huh? And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That just makes me laugh. 
But here you have an unrighteous judge. Doesn't like people, doesn't care about God. But because this lady won't leave him alone, he says, I'm gonna give her what she's asking for because she comes to him and prays with persistence. Sometimes we think this story is about justice because that's what this woman comes asking for. And I think, we're not digging into that right now, but that's a part of this story. When you read the next few verses, there's an element of justice. But Luke already told us, what's the story about? He says, when you pray, don't give up. Remember, he says, that, that's, that's why you're getting this story. So here's my question for you. For this widow, the story goes like this. I'm gonna pray until I get, fill in the blank, justice. What's your story? What is it that you say, I'm gonna pray until this. I'm gonna pray until that. What's the thing that you're praying with, with persistence, because you know that's what you need from God. That's what you're asking him for. That's where you know you need to pray in this way. And remember, we are praying to our Father in heaven who has all power, and when you pray to him, has anybody anybody ever said this? I'm guilty of this. Somebody tells you something, and you say, well, all we can do is pray. Isn't that what rolls off our tongue? Because sometimes we feel that, because I don't know about you, but I have the ability to think that I can fix everything. Like, that's what's me. So, so how do we fix this? What do we do about this? And then, eh, well, I guess all we can do is pray. Shouldn't prayer be our first response and not our last resort? Amen. It should be the thing that we know. God, I'll do everything I can. But God, I'm trusting you, and I'm bringing this to you in prayer. And I have a tendency to think, well, I prayed it once, and I, I sent that email, and hopefully God responds. When actually this passage says, we're, how about one more time? We're supposed to and not give up, that we keep praying and we keep seeking and asking this, why? Because you are praying to the all-powerful Heavenly Father. You are praying to a God who is there and he's with you and he can do all things. Like, like take, a, take a minute for some self-evaluation. What is it that you could be or should be persistently praying about? Is it something in your future, your job, your, your family, a relationship? Do you need provision somehow? Maybe like the woman in this story, there's something that's wrong and you're looking for justice, like you're looking for it to be made right. What's the thing in your life where you're saying, God, I need to seek this with persistence? And sometimes I I think we, we start to think that our persistence is what makes the difference. The reality is persistence is an indication of faith. When you pray with persistence, you're indicating, you're showing God that you trust him, that you have faith, that you believe in him. I was reading in the book of Matthew a week or so ago, just just for myself, and and this passage just jumped off the page to me. Like, it was kind of an indictment for me. It's Matthew chapter 21, look at this story. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Can anybody relate to that? Right now. Yes, okay. Seeing a fig tree by the road, Jesus went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Many said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the the tree withered. And when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. (laughs) Peter, Peter, John, James, did you, how did the fig tree wither? So quickly they asked. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, If you have faith and do not doubt, 
not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And so I read this and I chuckled because the disciples are just, Jesus isn't just out there killing all the trees, right? You know this, right? Like there's a whole deeper side to that story that, that we're not looking at right now. But these guys are just watching the tree. Like, wow, that is so cool. Jesus, how did you, why did you, what was that? And Jesus is like, that? That was the thing you guys got excited about? If you believe, you're not just gonna see trees go. You're gonna see mountains moved. You're gonna see the impossible happen. You're gonna see lives changed. You're gonna see amazing things. But too many times, you know what I'm caught up with? Fig tree faith. And I'm just standing there watching these things and I'm amazed by little things. And Jesus says, do you know the big things I wanna do in your life? Do you know the mountains I wanna move? Do you know the impossible that I want to see happen in your life? But it'll only happen if you come to me and you believe. Now look, I don't want you to get confused with this though, because sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go, and people will look at you and say, well, it's because you just didn't have enough faith. Anybody ever heard that? Sometimes well-meaning people, sometimes people that a well-meaning pastor would like to hurt will look at you and say, well, you just, you just didn't have enough faith. You don't see that in scripture. You don't hear that from Jesus. And too many times it's other judgmental people who want to put that on you. Don't let them do that. I mean, we'll, t- we'll talk about that in just a moment. I think it's important to know, though, there are reasons why prayers may go unanswered. And this is important for us to consider because sometimes you might pray a prayer and that prayer may go unanswered. Real quick, let's, let's, let's drive by just four of them. One is in Psalm 66. There's more than this in Scripture, but here's just four quick ones. Psalmist says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So sometimes sin may hinder your prayers. If there is a pattern, if there is a practice, if there is some kind of sin in your life, it can hinder the ability for God to respond to your prayers. Here's another one, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. So a lack of mercy may hinder your prayers. Sometimes the reason our prayers aren't answered is because we fail to care for the needs of others. This this is a big one. James chapter four, verse three. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So sometimes the reason our prayers aren't answered is because our heart's not in the right place. And we're asking for things based on wrong motives instead of what God has for us. And then last one, guys, sorry about this one. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. Husbands, in the same way be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Do you see what he said there? That marital strife may hinder your prayers. God says, if you're having a hard time showing respect and love to the person that you're in a marital covenant relationship with, how do you expect me to answer your prayers if you can't treat 
them right, and then you want me to treat you right. So there's some things there to keep in mind. And then one other thing about when your prayers might not be answered, like even when you're knocking with boldness and persistence, faith believes even when persistence does not pay off. See, sometimes we think if we're persistent, then God just has to answer our prayers. Like if we have enough faith, or if we do enough things, or if we yell loud enough, or if we pray long enough, eventually our persistence will pay off. And the truth is, I've seen it in my life, and I've seen it in others. Sometimes we can be bold and we can persist, and we still might not get what we prayed for. Isn't life funny? It seems like we understand it better backwards than we do forwards, true? So many times when I'm going through something, I don't see what's actually happening. It's only later that I look and see how things make sense. I remember when I was, when I was coming out of college, there was a job I, I really, 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 really wanted. I was confident I was the right person. This was the right place. I, I knew that when someone other than me got hired, that that had been a mistake outside of the will of God. And then I look back years later, and I go, God, thank you. Because I think if I had had that job, it might have wrecked me. There was a time when Calvary as a church was promised that there was a building that was gonna be given to us. And I was so excited, and God, we're praying for this, and then it didn't happen. Anybody ever seen the movie Money Pit? Right? Now I look back without disappointment, and I go, God, thank you so much that that roof HVAC unit and parking lot is not mine to worry about. I remember when Rhonda and I were in the process of, of our family was growing, this is growing, and we knew we needed to kind of expand and grow a little bit, and, and so we were looking to buy a different house. We found our dream house. Like, we found the house. It was in the right price range. It was the right place. It was all these things. We were like, that's the house. And we prayed about it, and we'd been asking God for his guidance and, and all that, and we just said, this is the house. And so we, we put in an offer, and we put in the offer literally just a few hours after someone else whose offer was accepted, and we did not get our dream house. And I remember going, God, <laughs> we prayed about this. We thought this was the right place. For weeks, we were disappointed until we got the house that then we lived in and raised our kids in. And I look back over and over again. Every, every so often I drive by there and I think to myself, our life would have been very different if we had lived in our dream house instead of the house that God wanted our dreams to live out in. Who knows what would have happened in our lives, in our marriage, in our kids, maybe even because that house was in a different place. Does this make sense? See, look, oftentimes we say, well, you just didn't have enough faith or I just need faith and we start to make faith the most important thing. Look, my faith is in Jesus, not in faith. And even if faith and persistence do not pay off, I still put my trust in him. When, when we bought our, our first house, this is quickly becoming an HGTV show, isn't it? When, I, when we bought our first house, we were so excited. We knew what we wanted. We walked into this house. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is great. This is great. We, we were like, oh, we're going to put an offer in on this house. And we said, Bronna, we should, we should probably have your dad come and take a look. And her dad walked through with us. And he was like, mm, that doesn't look, ooh, I don't know. Oh, and guys, did you know this was a rental? And, and just starts pointing all these different things out. And he crushed all my dreams. And every so often I drive by that house and I go, I'm so glad we didn't live there. 
because I wasn't ready. We didn't have the resource. It wasn't a good time or place for us. I didn't see that. I'm just glad that Rhonda's wise father did. And sometimes I go, God, this is what I want from you. And my wise heavenly father says, yeah, but. And you keep praying with boldness and persistence. But don't think that your faith is in faith. Because if you put your faith in faith, you're just going to be disappointed. My faith is in Jesus no matter what happens in my life. Does that make sense? So look, you come and you pray to him with boldness. You put your confidence in him. It's easy for me to say when I'm talking about jobs and buildings and houses, not so easy when we start talking about relationships and dreams and sickness and grief. Then it's a little harder. And we say, God, I prayed. Why didn't I see what happened, what I thought should happen? And it's in those moments where we have to say, God, I, I trust you all the same because my faith isn't in faith. My faith is in Jesus. And even if I don't see what I wanna see yet, God, I believe that I can trust you because you are a heavenly father and somewhere, maybe not to the other side of eternity, but somewhere, it's all gonna make sense. Jesus gives us in the Gospel of Luke three parables. The first one is to pray with boldness. The second one is to pray with persistence. And here's the third one, number three, that you pray with humility. Number three, that you pray with humility. After he tells the story of the widow looking for justice from the mean judge, he tells this story, Luke chapter 18, verse nine. And he says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. If, if you're not familiar kind of with the, 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 the people groups of the first century, the Pharisees were the most spiritual and the most religious people. The tax collectors were considered dirtbags in society. So you've got highly spiritual, you've got suspicious sinner. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Sounds like a sweet guy, huh? Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Well, hallelujah him, right? I mean, this guy's just... But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus is making a point here that when we come to him in prayer, God's not your vending machine, and he doesn't owe you anything, and he loves you, but you, you know he's not impressed by you, <laughs> your status or your spirituality, your accomplishments or what others say, and if you want to see God work in your life, then humility is the key to blessing. Over and over again in scripture, when we boldly and persistently come before God, we do it with humility 
That's why we come with open hands. And we recognize that God is the source and he's the one we trust and that humility is the key to blessing. James chapter four, verse 10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't exalt yourself, you let, you let God do that. You come to him with humility and watch what he'll do. Watch how he will work in your lives. So many times I think pride's a prison and those bars that hold us in are just so many hangups with ourselves. But there's something liberating and freeing about when we humbly come to God, when we depend on him. What, what do we read? Matthew chapter six, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. It's redundant, isn't it? Jesus, give us today the bread we need daily. There's a humility that's there. That's different than what we sometimes live in or understand. Sometimes we miss what God is really trying to do in this passage, what he's really trying to show us when he says, give us today our daily bread. We already talked about it. I, I don't necessarily get up in the morning and go, I wonder where the food's gonna come from or I wonder where the clothes are gonna come from. But I know that I need something from him. But remember, that wasn't the case in the first century. In the first century, those, those individuals, those people, those laborers, every day had to go, where will my food come from? How will I provide for my family? How, how am I gonna live and make a living? And if they would just have an illness that would set them back a few days, it could be devastating to their life and to their family and what they would do. So on a daily basis, on a daily basis, they would come before God with open hands and say, Lord, give us today, for today, for tomorrow. Give us our daily bread. And sometimes I think we, we miss that. We, we pray about the big things, and we pray about those times when we, when we really need something from God. But what if every day we would come to him and say, God, I'm, I'm here asking you for what I need today. Because you might not need bread, but there's something that he wants to give to you today to nourish you. There's some way that he wants to provide for you. There's some way that he wants to use you. There's some way that he wants to bless you. There's some ways that he wants to bless others through you. And here's what we miss. I'm afraid that too many of us miss out on God's blessings because we walk around like this and we, we just pray about the big things or we pray about the tough moments or we pray about the, the, the things that, that seem to be in front of us instead of just daily going, God, I need something from you. And God, I humbly seek you. And God, I, I believe you have good things for me today. So today, God, will you give me my daily bread? My hope is that with open hands, boldly, persistently, and humbly, we'll pray. And we will come to God and say, God, will you give to me what you have for me today? God, I'm... I'm open, I'm waiting. We'll watch and see the blessings that he brings that go beyond what we could ask or imagine. So can I invite you to stand with me today and the team's gonna come and uh, we're gonna sing a very simple song together. You may know it, it just says, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And we're gonna make this our prayer today and ask God to give us what it is that we're looking for from him. And some of you, you need to replace worry with confidence. And today's the day to pray with boldness. 
And for some of you, the prayer that you need to pray is with persistence. It's to come back again and say, God, in faith, I ask. But for all of us, just with open hands, to say, Lord, I need you. And I hope you won't just sing this as a way for us to kind of wrap up a service. I hope you'll sing this and make it a prayer. To say, God, I need you. Just a simple question. In this room, auditorium two, watch on a screen somewhere. If you would just say, there is something that I need to seek God for today with boldness, persistence, humility. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? You know, it comes to the front of mind right away. Wow, 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 that's us, right? God, we need you. And so, Lord, as we sing this, we bring these things to you. Lord, we make them a matter of prayer. God, we acknowledge who you are in our lives. And we believe in faith that this prayer is going to make a difference in our lives as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. And I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. And Lord. up kids and getting on with our day but I just feel like God wants us to stop for just a moment and and for some of us that thing we raised our hand about or maybe that thing we should have raised our hand about has consumed us with worry or had too much of a grip on our lives or we've not fully entrusted a situation or a need to the Lord in that before we walk out of here, God wants us to stop for just a moment and seek him. Would you do that just right where you are? In fact, I'd invite all of us to, to put our hands out with open hands. And if you were gonna, if you were gonna pray for something, if you, if you were going to be bold and persistent, if you were to humbly come before God, what would it be? And right now, would you just in your own heart, would you offer that to him in a way that's gonna go beyond the parking lot or turning off this service? In a way that's gonna make a difference? In a way that's gonna put you on your knees later this week in front of God and just saying, God, I, I persistently and boldly bring my child to you. I bring my job to you. I bring my health to you. I bring my church to you.
I bring my mind to you. I bring my future to you. God, the needs that don't seem to be met in any other way. God, the questions that can't be answered, the grief I can't shake, or the the dream that's not here yet. Lord, right now I offer that to you with a boldness to know that my Father loves me and can do all things, with a persistence to know that my good God is going to come through, and with the humility to say, God, whatever it is you have for me today, Lord, would you, would you place it in my open hands? God, may those those six words, give us today our daily bread. Never just roll off our tongue again without realizing who you are and God, how you are at work in our lives. So Lord, we seek you with our whole hearts and we put our trust in you. God, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.